0: Hey, guys, it's Scott from fxmissions.com. Just a note, I've finished the trilogy of anthologies from the forefront, and all three books are currently available on Amazon. As believers, we say that we want God involved in our lives and businesses. But do we really mean that? And if we do mean it, do we really know what we're asking for? When we're done today, I think you're going to have either a new perspective on that or be encouraged to keep going. Welcome to Leaders Moment by FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take a moment to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews and stories of leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Thanks for being here, and I predict you're going to be really blessed by the time we share today. Very strong material here. Have you ever wondered what it really means to submit your business to God? That can be scary. As in all things in life, it's a step, and we are going from glory to glory, right? So we're going from one step of submission to another. Have you struggled with how to think rightly? about these kinds of things, or maybe you've struggled to think of, rightly about things that you have a talent or a competence for. Have you gotten bogged down maybe in trying to do a vision statement for your business that, or your ministry or your effort that is ethereal kind of out there? You're gonna really love what Pierce Brantley of the Inter- eternal entrepreneur has to share with us today. If any of those things ring a bell with you couple things before we get started. My book, Anthologies from the Forefront, is out on Amazon, both in uh, hard copy, paperback rather, as well as uh, in Kindle format. And you haven't gotten it. That won't do. Please stop what you're doing. Not necessarily, but don't forget to reach out to Amazon and collect your copy of Anthologies from the forefront by me Scott McClellan, either in printed or in Kindle version. Thanks for that. I want to thank uh Zach and Brittany and others who have liked our posts on the Facebook page for leadership moment leaders moment as we're calling it now. sorry, kind of a flash from the past there. <laughs> If you go to Facebook.com slash leaders moment, you can check out content and links and other information there, both for current episodes as well as those going back. And I just wanna I wanna share a leadership quote with you here. And I want you to tell me who said it. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Who said that? Good question, right? I'll give you a chance in the closing to double back and get a prize, if you can tell me who said that leadership quote. Hi, Scott McClelland here for FX Missions Podcasting. Thanks for being with us today. Happy to be with you and hope things are going in the direction you hope that they are going. I'm very excited today to be joined by someone I've actually just met. Pierce, hello. Scott, it's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) <laughs> Love the show and glad to be a part of this conversation. Interestingly, before we started recording, I said, Man, your name's Pierce Brosnan, right? <laughs> 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 so uh, you know, a double three and a half. Yeah, the country version. The country
1: version. I'm from the sticks originally. Are you? Yeah, out towards Louisiana. And I've worked real hard to clean the accent up. If it weren't for the accent, I probably would have gotten the James
0: Bond. Yeah, it would have been you. Yeah. Pierce Brantley, not br- whatever that other guy's name was. <laughs> Brosnan. The bra that won't be mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That guy. Well, thank you for being here, Pierce. When I went out and started looking for folks to interview for this new series that we've got going here about believers in business, your name came right up. And so I really appreciate the chance I was on your show recently, the Eternal Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't heard of that, please check it out. Eternal Entrepreneur—it was really a direct hit on what I was trying to accomplish in terms of getting folks on whose faith and business has a strong relationship. So, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, and we just had a blast talking to you too about competition,
1: what it means for the Christian to compete—if that's even ethical. Is that even in the Bible? Can Christians win at something? It was a great conversation that you added a lot of
0: insight to, and I just thought it was a blast. Man, I enjoyed it much. Thank you for having me on. I think there was a lot of energy on that conversation, so I really want to encourage folks to get over there. Get over and check out. We're going to back link to the Eternal Entrepreneur podcast here in the show notes. So make sure and get over there and check it out. Any and all of the episodes. It really was exciting to me to find out, hey, we're getting ready to do a series on this. Hey, wait, there's a podcast that is devoted to this subject. So that was really, really cool. No, thank you, man. Thank you for that. And let's talk a little bit about your background. Obviously, you're in business. You're a believer. You've been in multiple businesses over the years. I just want to find out A little bit more about how you got started. You say you're from East Texas. Yes. I am too. I think we both are scrubbing our accent. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I lived outside of uh, Texas for maybe a little over a dozen years. I got my accent scrubbed on a little bit there. But where are you from originally? I am from a little town
1: out in the boondocks called Gilmer, Texas. Oh, Gilmer. Gilmer, Texas. Yeah. North of
0: I-20. North of I-20, yeah. I know where you are. Gilmer is, I used to work with a guy who was from Gilmer. I guess you would be northeast of Tyler, or is it just pure north of Tyler? Yeah, just a hair, I think. My sister's
1: out in the Tyler area. But where we were was pretty disconnected, and that's really kind of part of my story. So we grew up, my family was raised literally in a barn, pole barn, out in about 15 acres of land, pretty disconnected from the outside world. And when it rained, rain would come through the barn, soak the clothes. When we first moved out there, we had a like a big old five-gallon bucket that used to have laundry detergent in it, and we'd use that to pull water up out of the well. We did our hand at gardening a couple of times. That went okay. But really kind of grew up in sort of, I don't want to overpaint it, but pretty abject poverty, And that was a foundation for the Lord showing me that he was present in my life, regardless of my circumstances, and that he was actually a really, really good provider. And so from a very young age, I really wanted to change my circumstances. And I tried to do that in many different ways, whether that was trying to rake neighbor's lawns for a couple bucks to get milk for my brothers and sisters, whether that was trying to... Just find some way of adding some stability to my life. It was really kind of a a pursuit of trying to find God in my work. And so when I left, when I was able to leave that situation, which was about the age of 19, I left. I planned on not looking back at that point in my life. A lot of pain. Thought about changing my, my wonderful last name just because I wanted to be so disassociated with the way I grew up. Yeah. But I learned very quickly that the Lord had a plan for my life and that he was not ashamed of my background and that he was even quite willing to show just how strong he was regardless of my position of weakness. The weak hand I'd sort of been dealt in my own personal perspective. And so at that time, my family had a barn Behind the barn, there was an oil tank. I kid you not, an oil tank. And we'd scrub that oil tank out, no electricity, no water. I ran a power line back there, and I was learning graphic design with a computer I had won from a Black Friday sale. It was like a voucher. And there's a whole God story on that. But at 17 years old, I'm trying to learn how to program computers, how to get good at design and all that kind of stuff. And when I leave the barn, I'm leaving for the sake of going into ministry with a church plant, actually, I say plant, The kind of, they're big sort of at the time called Pantego Bible Church over in Arlington. Mm -hmm. And so I go to that for a three-year internship thinking that I'm leaving everything behind. I intentionally leave my computer in the barn or in the oil tank rather behind the barn. And think all of this stuff that I'm learning God has no use for because I'm supposed to be going into ministry. Mm. And within three days of being there, this guy doesn't know me from Adam goes, Pierce, we really need somebody who's really technically minded and really good at design and would be willing to kind of just own creative for this ministry. I know you don't have any experience with this type of stuff, but would this be something you'd be willing to lean into? And a light bulb went off the first time in my life. That the work I do can be directly connected to the work that God is doing Mm. and that he actually is more than happy to use these things to create really incredible outcomes. Part of that outcome is shaping our own heart. For me, I learn intimacy with God through the work that I'm doing. That's just because of the hand I was dealt. Other people very much connect with God through worship or very much connect with God through prayer and that intimacy that revolves around church life. I love those things as well. Yeah. But the way the Lord has showed himself to be true to me, and I see that the God in the scriptures is the God who is, Jesus is who he says he is, is actually through operating businesses. So that one experience set me on a trajectory to start and sell a business at the age of 26. Hmm. Consult with Fortune 500 companies, have some nice exits from actually industries that we're both kind of involved involved in with voice space. And then most recently doing consulting for the best companies in the world, building the best platforms in the world and write some fun books, too. So
0: it's been a blast. Yeah, absolutely, man. Wow. Did you go back and get your computer out of the oil tank? <laughs> <laughs> I finally did at one point. I had to
1: go back to East Texas, and I I think I did go back and get it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, hey, man, thank you for sharing that. There's a lot possibly to unpack there. But you landed feet first in this business and ministry context. I think that happens to a lot of us as we're starting out. We're looking at the possibility of doing ministry or business. Yes. We're looking at the possibility of doing something that's spiritually significant or something that's significant in a business way which resonates very strongly with me. You're saying you were able to find spiritual significance and business significance and it didn't have to be divergent like that. Is that what you're saying? That is what I'm saying. I love that word too, divergent, because
1: that is typically where the enemy sort of hedges us or tries to hedge us where we think somehow we are selling out on our faith if we go and do the things that we love or that we enjoy, (laughs) or that perhaps when we get to heaven, when we have some kind of life review or something like that, I don't even know if that's what's going to happen, but to get there and we go, man, you spent the last 20 years of your life running a business and you could have been a pastor. And this is just, You know, I don't want to say this wasn't a lost opportunity. Peter, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. S&B over here. Uh, That's not the way you see things. You look through every single pretty much example of a leader in the New Testament, and they're all business operators or entrepreneurial in some way. And we got to realize that the thread of our lives that's being woven into the tapestry of what God is trying to create for himself is everyone's unique kind of way that we've been made. And that has to play into the way that we run businesses as, as well. And furthermore, I don't think you actually have to kind of over-spiritualize it either and think, well, if I'm going to have a business, therefore it needs to be a Christian business. So I'm going to have John 3.16 on every single you know business card, or I'm going to pray with every single client that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. I've got fantastic stories of, I say fantastic in the worst sense of the word. I remember I was working with a Christian business leader once and we have an atheist on the team and he goes, you know what? I really want them to know the Lord. We have to solve this problem for the client. The client was thinking about closing off their account with us. Yeah. And he goes, you know what? I'm just going to lay it all on the line I know they really want us to solve this marketing issue and I know that they're paying us for it. I'm just going to give my testimony and I'm going to trust that the Lord is going to save the business for us. And so we go into this room and there's board members, all VPs, C-suite, and people have a vested interest in the business. Yeah, And they want to know why their click-through rate and their tracking on Google Ads isn't working the way it should. And he goes to the front and they continue to... Their testimony about how the Lord had the miraculous healings in their life, how they got saved, what his life is really about. And they go on for about 45 minutes, and then at the end of it, they go, He goes, Any questions? And they go, Yeah, thank you so much for that touching story about our Google ads. <laughs> they pivot so fast. Oh gosh. That you wouldn't even think that anything had been said in the last 45 minutes. We lose the account, no surprise there. Yeah. Whereas, we can get into this here in just a second, if you ask the Lord for divine inspiration, the Bible says he gives you generously and without reproach. Those business problems that exist there, just like Joseph being raised to the top of his platform in his time so that he could divinely be positioned to help governments restructure for future calamities that were going to come so that the name of God could be glorified. You business leader are in the same position right now on your mountain, in your space to divinely minister to and be a part of what God is doing in the undercurrent of society. And you are there for a reason and you don't actually have to overthink it. You're going just like Joseph was using his administrative and his delegatory skills The skills that God has placed in you to become a competent business leader, someone with great acumen, is going to be used by the Almighty with your anointing to have incredible change. And so we can dig
0: into that if you want. But yeah, wow. Yes, it's good stuff. That is seriously resonating with me. There's no doubt after our first session on your podcast, I knew there was a lot of overlap in terms of what we had experienced and what the Lord had shown us and was using us for. I don't have yet the book that you have, so I want to make sure and mention, uh, maybe you've got a few, but I know there's one that kind of goes straight into this. Can you share that title with us? And then we're going to segue into more of what you were talking about. Sure. Yeah. Calling Awaken to the Purpose of Your
1: Work from Cook Publishers is the book, and it's a fantastic read. It's done really well. I'll just be transparent. It's focused on men and
0: leading in the home. The Mm -hmm. principles are not gender specific. The bend is gender specific. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just the audience you were writing for. I get it. So repeat that for me, please, because I want to get it down here. Calling, awaken to the purpose of your work. Awaken to the purpose of your work. Okay. Very good. Cook Publishers, you said. That's on all the venues, I'm sure. All the places. Awesome. Awesome. Amazon. (laughs) Exactly. The largest delivery company. As of January, in front of us is what I've seen recently. Those guys are really getting some traction on replacing FedEx and UPS. So It's funny. I
1: did some stuff with UPS years ago. We were actually doing research on analytics and logistics. And we found out that FedEx considered Amazon to be their number one competitor at the time, or at least one of them. This was back in 2015. All the business nerds will love this. reason was because... Amazon's footprint had grown so big and included so many small businesses that they were taking away the need to ship from shipping companies.
0: Wow. So, like the small business guy who's usually using FedEx to facilitate delivery or whatever from his business now was being absorbed by Amazon in terms of it being a seller, and the shipping was taken off the table. Because Amazon helped with that fulfillment. Am I understanding it right? Exactly. So if you sell widgets and you typically ship widgets and you sell it through FedEx
1: and then Amazon says, hey, just give us all your widgets and we'll ship them for you. Mm. All of a sudden, FedEx doesn't have business anymore. Fascinating. It's amazing how some of these large conglomerates sort
0: of work. Yeah, that is, I guess, an unexpected competitive angle, but hey, they weren't wrong. If we could just step back and look around, they weren't wrong about it. Man, that's interesting. So you got kind of a reorientation early in your steps. You're heading off. You're going to go put on the priestly robes, if you will. You're going to go do a three-year internship, all that kind of stuff. Right away, you got a kind of a reorientation into design and those kind of things. Tell us about those next steps. I know you you grew and sold a business and you've been involved in the corporate environments and now you're in consulting, but the story arc there, what's the arc and how can you lead us through those next several engagements? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. So, like I said, I started
1: from a position of lack in terms of poverty mindset, not real lack, the Lord is my provider, but a belief That there was never enough and that I was always going to have to work extremely hard. So that kind of took me into a deep sort of chasm of workaholism and not charging enough for my services and all that kind of stuff because the way that I'd grown up was, well, you come from a working class, struggling family and work is hard and life is hard and it's not really meant to be other than that. I had someone really close to me say once, and it shaped my thinking I asked, I said, you know, do you think God wants us to enjoy life? And they threw the hammer down and they go, no, this life is not to be enjoyed. You can enjoy life when you get to heaven, but this is a hard life. And that was the mindset I grew up with. Oh, And so I took that into business, thinking that business is difficult and that business is an uphill battle. And that even though the Bible says that the Lord owns cattle on a thousand foothills and that he adds wealth without sorrow, <laughs> the Bible says this, yep, right. regardless of all of that, it was going to be difficult. And it's so interesting how, what we bring into our relationship with the Lord, he's so willing to work with us and to show who he is persistently, consistently, gently, and it unwind all of that. But one of the things I knew, regardless of all of this sort of baggage I brought into my relationship with God, is that he was a really good provider. I trusted him to help me find clients. And specifically, I feel like I'm supposed to talk about this, Yes, but this is a moment of vulnerability for me. I don't have a college education. I barely graduated high school, but I work typically with fortune companies. In fact, pretty much only, and mostly with the one top 1% of fortune companies. And I've had an incredible journey in that, one, nobody asks. And two, they trust me pretty much implicitly. Now, where does that come from? There's a couple of things that the Lord has done in my life very early on, and I've learned to trust him in. And it's that he gives one wisdom generously and without reproach, Mm-mm. and that he can actually teach you anything. And this is almost offensive to our carnal minds, but he taught me information architecture. He taught me literally programming. And this is without reading books, by the way which I love to read. I'm an author. I love literature. but So I'm not an advocate of education, but the Lord has been very heavy handed on my life. And just like Joseph has, he's given wisdom for specific times, gives me wisdom specifically for clients in a very practical business implementation sense. And so what I say in all that, my point in all that is, is that he provides exactly what we need when we need it. And if we can trust him in that, we're going to see some really incredible
0: things happen. Absolutely, man. I share the same history that you do, believe it or not. I don't have a college education. In so many ways, was taught, like you said, and had acumen, had had basically a fertile ground for the Lord to cultivate in terms of these specific areas of contribution where I could impact a person's business in a favorable way. That is something that was rapidly grew into but it was an alternative kind of path for what's typical but God as you say is faithful he leads us where he leads us he'll also make the path smooth not that it's zero bumps but it's a path that by his grace you can traverse and you cultivate that value contribution like you're talking about put you in a position you know people are looking for solutions businesses are looking for Someone who can impact their scenario in a powerful, meaningful, and valuable way. And that's what you've demonstrated. Yeah.
1: To that point, I love that we share that history. Mm -hmm. So the Bible says that he makes mountains low and valleys high. Yes. Right? So that thing that you don't think you're going to climb, he's going to make it even. That thing you don't want to go through, he's going to raise it up. Mm -hmm. Or at least he's going to make it feel that way. He's the consistent father in our lives and we can trust him implicitly. Yes. My approach to this, and from anyone who feels like they wonder why God gave them that hand, there's two things from a business perspective that I think are super critical. And this is what I've kind of always taken to my approach is one, when I say I want to be the best in the world, I mean it. And in some regards, I am, but that's taken a long time to get there. Yes, But it's always the pursuit. And the other is, as Joe, my co-host on Eternal Entrepreneur, who would always tell you if he was here, he would have already been talking about it is you've got to add value. So being the best at something does not mean that people want to work with you. Right? There's a lot of arrogant, really good people out there and they get big on social media and people may respect them, but they're not going to work with them. There's got to be a value exchange there. And my perspective is, listen, I'm going to be the best that there is. And I'm going to give you as much value as you can handle. But then the undercurrent of all that is, is if the Lord so blesses me to be in the room with these kings of commerce, when the Bible says he's going to put you in front of kings. Yes. You think about CEOs, the kings of yesteryear are the CEOs of today. Think about that for a minute. Very true. And in all of that, if the Lord so blesses to put me in a room, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually lay all of that aside and I'll say, Holy Spirit, What do you want to see in this situation and give me wisdom for it? And what's going to happen is I'm going to impact people or we're going to come to the right answer. God is very much concerned with the details of how businesses run Hmm. and how they operate because they affect people ultimately. And, you know, we could go down a path of like, well, should businesses be earning lots of money and all that, that old argument. And you're like, you know, if you're, if they're providing something of value and they're actually providing, they're providing good in the lives of people. Therefore, they have the potential to impact people, and so of course,
0: God cares about it. It's his world, it's his people. He's going to care about it. Yes. Agreed. There's so much to unpack from what you're saying. And I want to go back real quickly, and I'm feverishly taking notes here, by the way. Yes, I'll have a copy of your book uh, over the holidays. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. I'm sure that I will. There's a lot of overlap, but I'm sure the Lord's shown you some stuff that'll be new and informing to me. So I would definitely want to take that on. But going back to the idea of self-concept, right? How our estimation of value is governed by our self-concept. This is something that I've noticed through the years. You highlighted it. You're saying basically... You at one point you were you had faith and you were asking God and receiving to be led into new opportunities you had but then when you get there it's another step of okay what is my value contribution and how do I specifically price it right if you don't see yourself as valuable you'll always charge less for what you're doing than what it's worth right yes i have noticed that being in sales and, and employing salespeople and those kinds of things, you can right away tell someone's sense of personal value based on how they approach pricing. And, yes. <laughs> you know, if you always want to go to the bottom that can say something about your self-concept, would you unpack that for us a little bit? Because I heard that in what you were saying. I would love to. And that's funny because it's a soap box of mine. This is a topic
1: that especially, for whatever reason, in the Christian business world, we get kind of uncomfortable about because Mm -hmm. we know that the main thing isn't supposed to be money. And then so if it's not supposed to be money and we're supposed to be representing Christ, then like, well, what does that mean about sales? Well, maybe we should even do sales. (laughs) Like like we go down these awful, awful reimagining of things. Let's just be honest about a couple of things here. There's the kingdom of the world. Yes. And then there is the kingdom of God. We live as transplants. Now that we are in Christ, we are new creations. We are sojourners and we are moving from one world to the next. So we have a godly perspective while living in a worldly world. That's what the Bible means when it says we are lights. Yes. All things being equal, a business is a system of the world that operates in the world with mammon, or if we're going to use the religious language here. And so fascinatingly, I have seen this over and over and over again. People trust me more when I price myself competitively. If I price myself from a weak perspective, from like a a bottom end of the market, people do not trust my services and then they make a value judgment about everything else in my life. Right? This is critical as a business owner who wants to have influence in the world because the business Judges the things of the world by worldly standards. Therefore, if you do not value those things, it doesn't mean you hold your heart in those things. It doesn't mean you vest your heart in those things. But if you do not understand that that is where they place value, then you are not going to have influence in the world from a kingdom perspective. And Jesus understood this.
0: Yes. I really
1: think he did. Oh, he
0: did. Yes, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. And so...
1: From my perspective has always been, I'm not cheap. And I don't say that as a brag. I say that because one, like I said, I'm aiming to be the best in the world at something. And many regards I am in certain slivers of that. And then on the other side of that, there is a perceived value going on here and perceived value that kind of goes down the marketing path of things. But if someone perceives my services as being something that is in high demand then they associate that with everything else in my life. And that's not fair, but that is psychology. Mm-hmm. And I can use that as leverage to be a light and a vessel of love in someone's life. I knew um, a business leader and, who was in the creative space, and they sold logos. And they were in one of these, I think it was Vistage. I don't know if it was C12 or Vistage. I want to say it was Vistage, one of these CEO kind of groups. Yeah, And there was someone else in the group who did logos. and someone had made a snide comment about the other guy who did logos to him and said, Oh, are you a six figure logo guy? Because this guy was charging six figures for logos. And he came back to us and he goes, man, you know, he said, I really felt what that guy was saying. He said, I never want to be the six figure logo guy. We're the $300 logo. We're the $500 logo guys. And what happened is we got people who valued brand at the level of about three figures. <laughs> yes. And for everyone who thinks that a six figure logo is ridiculous and I would never pay that, the BBC recently did a rebrand and I think they were like 2.5 million for the same BBC, you know? And so it all has to do with the research and understanding the market and everything mm-hmm. else. And so there's grades. But my point in all of that is, there's a perceived value with how you position your services. And I'm not saying you need to be the most expensive. I'm saying from a worldly perspective, there's a correlation between what you charge and who you are because of where the world puts identity. Mm. And what you want to do is once you are in that room, what you want to do is exchange that perception of value from purely being of business strategy or business services or solutions, provide that, but then provide beyond that, which is what is God saying about that person? What is God wanting to do in the room? What is God wanting to make known to everyone? And so you're basically just using that as a way of getting on the right stage with people.
0: Right, creating the opportunity. Yes, makes sense. Okay, so thank you for that, by the way. I think, as you said, Jesus understood this. We know he did. And the scripture that comes to mind for me is that the sons of this age basically are more tuned in to the age than the sons of light. I don't think, he, you know, the children of light, this, this is a, a little bit of a paraphrase, but very close. The idea, I think, that where we get mixed up is our personal sense of value and identity does not rest in the things of this world, okay? And taking the approach that you're suggesting You're not suggesting that our personal sense of worth and identity rest in the things of this world. But we have to communicate in a way and in the language of the business community so as not to diminish ourselves or lose the opportunity to create the value that we represent, to get on stage, basically, like you're saying. Yeah. You got to speak the language, right? Totally.
1: And I love that you mentioned that verse because that was the one that was on the forefront of my mind at the onset of, of going down that path. Gotcha. When you read that verse, go back and read the verse that Scott is talking about in that he is not, Jesus is not saying, by the way, they think this way, and but we really think this way. It wasn't in us and them. He was saying, Hey, by the way, the sons of this age know how to operate in this age. And he's basically telling them to not be naive. Right. And to take it seriously. And so often we look at that and we go, it's an us and them. But this isn't Platonism. This <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we need to pay attention to that. Also, last sort of footnote in that, we often think that we should have no identity or no sense of ownership about the things that we're good at so that we can be more godlike or Godly or Christ-like. Go look at the story of the making the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. And there's two guides and their names are slipping me right now, but God tells Moses he's anointed them for craftsmanship, for leadership, and for basically he's saying, hey, listen, I have made these two guys to be craftsmen and to be leaders. And the craftsman one, he says he was anointed for stonework, for goldsmithing, and for like Very elaborate building. The other one is for leadership and management. Yes, I can't imagine if those two guys, knowing that they are anointed for craftsmanship, for leadership, and for management in every spectrum, it's a very long list. You should go read it. They make everything in the temple, the stand-up temple and, and Ark of the Covenant too. And I can't imagine if those two guys, knowing those two things, go, yeah, I've gotten all of this divinely given talent and godly wisdom and really the right thing to do here is to lay it all down for the Lord. And and you can imagine like God pulling his white, you know, glowing hair out, going, What in the world? Like i made you with this talent and this skill set on purpose to give glory to me. And you're saying, Well, the right thing to do here is to empty myself so I can be an empty vessel. And I and he's like, I just filled the vessel with business acumen, leadership, management, and talent. Go pour it out as a love offering to me. We'll do this together, but it's meant to be fun. And you're meant to take joy in the way that God has made you. And the enemy has lied to us and said, in order to be holy, empty yourself so that you can be pure or whatever. And it's just, it's not true. He crafted you on purpose in order to give glory to him. And you can have fun in it and you can do it with him. And you honestly doing it with them, you're going to learn a lot more
0: about the technical acumen, the specific skill set that he gave you. Absolutely, man. I remember that story. I think it goes well to establishing this. And the Lord gave this guy these capabilities and stuff. And the work that he did was glorifying to God. The concept of emptying yourself and not thinking more of yourself than you want to, fair enough. But the point is that We're going to be judged by what we produce. And this guy was producing things that were glorifying to God and that were fulfilling the requirements that God was looking for in the space that he needed the creating, the construction, the management, the leadership. And I think that's what God's calling on us to do as well. That is a picture of us being equipped, prepared, We invest ourselves and then the things that we do are glorifying to God. The things that we produce from a work point of view makes a lot of sense to me. It's a great example of what we're trying to communicate here and powerful. I've got a couple of more things here. I want to make sure we're we're probably closing in our last five minutes. I want to make sure get anything out there that you want to make sure and share. I do have one thing that comes to mind as well. And then, of course, before we completely finish, I want to make sure and communicate the places where folks can find your podcast, they can find what you've written and all of those things. Something tells me we'll be going to be on the podcast again at some point, either or or both. But I, I just want to make sure we give those directions to folks. What else is on your mind, Pierce? Well, the only thing
1: that kind of puts a, a cap on everything we've talked about, you mentioned humility. and. Humility is, I think, the sort of the cornerstone for how we live with the things that God has given us. That's the big difference. If you think about what identity leads us onto, to, especially as business leaders, Mm -hmm. every one of us knows the business leader who thinks of themselves as the Lamborghini driving multimillion dollar home owning city on a hill unto themselves. Right. And that's the way the world operates because that's their highest value. When humility is our highest value, what it does is it, because that is a characteristic of God Himself, right? Mm, yes. It actually leads us unto more of Him, which means that we are going to be operating from a good place. So Proverbs 22.4 4 is a fantastic verse for this. I always thought the fear of the Lord growing up from a good Baptist or pseudo Baptist sort of upbringing. You said the will say, you weren't a Baptist son. I would say, there's a mix of it. <laughs> you hear fear of the Lord. You think literal trembling, not looking at him directly in the eyes uh, and walking in that. Proverbs 22 tells us exactly what the fear of the Lord is. It says, humility is the fear of the Lord. Right, Humility yes. is the fear of the Lord. So you wanna know what the fear of the Lord is? It's humility. Wow. It's reward for fearing the Lord. Living in humility is riches. And by the way, that's literal riches, honor and life. Now, I'm not a prosperity gospel guy, not even the slightest. However, walking in the things of God will bless you. Yes, God blesses his children with an open hand, and we're just uncomfortable with it. When you walk in humility... And someone says, like, why does your life look like that? You say, I'll tell you why. Because I have got a really good father. I've got a really, really, really good father. Nothing in my life do I deserve. But Jesus, being who he said he is, has given me a new life with different kinds of access. And I have a God who looks after me, who trains me, and who wants what's best for me. And in that, I've been given something really special. And so it opens up a platform.
0: Yes, creates the opportunity for deeper engagement. I was feeling that when you were saying it, Pierce, there was some power on what you were sharing it. Thank you for that. I've got a psalm on my wall right here. It hangs over my, on my right-hand side, Psalm 112, and it really unpacks very clearly what we're talking about here. A little bit of a story on this. I was in the middle of a business crisis and I was pinned down. The bills were mounting and the cash flow was evaporating and all this stuff. I was at a business event out of town and I was praying and the Lord gave me this Psalm, Psalm 112. I read through it. It was so impactful to me that I called my business manager at the office and I said, print this out, get a copy of Psalm 112. Print it out and put it on every desk in the place, because this is where we're headed. This is where we're going. It says, happy are those who fear the Lord. Yes, happy are those who delight in his doing, doing what he commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will never be forgotten. When darkness overtakes the godly, light will come bursting in. They're generous, compassionate, and righteous. All goes well for those who are generous, who lend freely and conduct their business fairly. That's the first half of the psalm. The rest of it continues in that same vein. My circumstances were anything but that at that moment. But I knew when God spoke to me, a turnaround was on its way. We went through that process and the Lord turned it completely around. But that's just a I think kind of a punctuation on what you're saying. A lot of times we think about mammon, as you mentioned earlier, and mammon is a word that means confidence, but is colloquially translated as money. Why would Jesus say, make to yourselves friends with the mammon of unrighteousness if he wanted you to be broke? You wouldn't be able to do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's not about the prosperity kind of preaching that we hear and are aware of. It's about being blessed and walking in collaboration with the Lord. The Lord's looking for someone he can entrust responsibility and authority to. And with that comes resources. If you have responsibility and authority, but you don't have any resources, you got a problem. That's not the kind of responsibility God's trying to give to us. Wrap it up for us quickly Pierce, and let's make sure and get your final, final thoughts, and then we'll get anything that you want to pass along in terms of your addresses and podcasts and books and et cetera. Sure. Yeah. I don't
1: know that I can really add to anything more than, than what you've said, other than I love it. And the one thing I would highlight on it is as a business leader, I think there is this kind of desire to influence your direct community. And one of those communities that's nearest to us is family. And it mentions specifically that your children and your family will be blessed. And so there's something about being in the family of God and what that should mean in terms of reflection of your own immediate family. And that's a really, really good thing to remind yourself of is that just by simply walking in this stuff, you're going to be a testimony to your children and hopefully to your children's children. And there's something really special
0: about when everything else feels like a struggle, coming back to that, because that's a promise of God. Well said, man. Thank you for saying so. That meant that to me at that moment, because I was in a position where my family was very likely going to suffer (laughs) for my struggle. You know what I mean? But the Lord was saying through that verse, the children of the righteous will be blessed and they're going to do exploits everywhere. This kind of deal. Thank God is true. I believe it. And it has come to pass. Thank you so much for being here, Pierce. You're podcast, The Eternal Entrepreneur. We talked a little bit about your book. I think I noted what your book title was here, but give it to us again. Calling Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work.
1: You can find it on Amazon, Google Books. Pretty much anywhere books are sold. A lot of good Christian bookstores too. Yes. And then, yeah, Eternal Entrepreneur. Look that up in Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Also, it's pretty much ubiquitous. My co-host, Joe, who actually set all of this up, he wasn't able to join us today, but he's a great sort of yin to my yang. That's a, This should be a more Christian version of that. He's the, he's the soy sauce to my wasabi. I don't know. This is all breaking <laughs> down. Scott's never going to have me on again. Joe's fantastic, and he adds a lot of color to the show, especially Scott's, which is coming out here soon.
0: So check that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll watch for it, man. Thank you again for having me on. And just we'll mention to Joe that after the holidays, obviously we're recording on the lead up to the holidays. He's going to have to come on and do his own soy sauce, soy sauce or wasabi (laughs) edition. Yes. Internal entrepreneur on our cast here. Thank you so much, man. Blessings to you. We'll get those things backlinked on the podcast. Hope you guys have a wonderful holiday, even though this is going to air after the holidays. And blessings to you and to your efforts, man. I just appreciate what the Lord's doing in and through you. It really is an encouragement to me. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am Scott McClellan. This is your FX Missions Leadership Moment. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thanks a lot for being here. Tying back to our quote from before everything rises and falls on leadership. Did you get that sense as we were listening to what Pierce related to us? Do you think it's even true? If you do, If you got feedback related to the quote or the fact that everything rises and falls on leadership, send it to me at Scott at FX Missions. I really appreciate it. And if you can tell me who got it and you email me there, I'm going to send you a prize. You remember we talked about my book a little bit earlier. Anyway, love to hear from you. And as for next month, we're going to dig into what can happen when our identities Get tied up in our success. Mm. Can you feel a painful lesson there somebody had, somebody may be having? You don't want to miss that. Thanks for being with me, as always, on the Leadership Moment. I'm Scott McClellan for FX Missions. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for being here. Let us know if you had a light bulb moment today. Send a message to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again.